0: So welcome to the podcast extra. I know I said we would talk about our films, but uh, Keith is away still. uh, So uh, it would be unfair to talk about our films without him. So instead, I'm going to talk to Mike Tack about his films. So hi, Mike. Hello,
1: everybody. Yeah, it's a shame that Keith Zasbo um, came into power a few weeks ago and he's had to spend a bit of time behind bars. So, you know, he'll be all right. (laughs) That's it. He'll enjoy the experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Get far away. Okay. Well, my first question for you, Mike is, um, what made you get, what, what was the one thing that made you decide that you wanted to become a filmmaker?
1: Well, as you know, I came to this very late to the party the mm. person that turned up when the party was nearly over. Um, and, um, I mean, when I was younger, I used to collect, uh, but this is before VHS and everything. I, I uh, had a Super 8 projector. So first you start off on silent films, and then you go, you progress when you get some money to buying the color with sound. So you need a color sound projector and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, um, I had little Super 8 films that uh, I would collect, and then I had a cheap camera. Uh, and at one point I was going to, I said to my mate, I said, Jim, can we go in the middle of this forest and I bury you in the ground and you come out <laughs> like a zombie and, uh, you know, after go over the shock of it, he was like up for it, but we never got round to doing anything and you know, what life's like, you know, you, you, you get stuck into your job and, you know, you get girlfriend and all these other distractions and, and the, the technology seemed to be changing all the time. Every time I thought I've got a video camera, I thought, oh, maybe I could do something there. I mean, I went to a filmmaking club for what you know, in local to where I live, and um, there's some guy there, actually, I remember this distinctly. He would make Super 8 films, and they were, like, animated, but what they were it were just his garden gnome collection. He oh, okay. would make up these short little 5, 10-minute bizarre stories, and there's just gnomes moving, like you know, one minute there on the table and then he cuts to it and it's moved further along. I think I've
0: seen that. I think I've probably seen one of those shorts. Uh, It rings a bell.
1: Well, he was well known for it. I mean, a lot of these guys were people who had dabbled or been in the industry and they were hobbyists, you know, and I do remember there was this critical moment when this new chap was there. I mean, I didn't go very often because most of what I saw was complete shite, but, um, this guy, and he says, oh, look at this, and and he shot a test thing, and it was video, and they were like, oh, my God, this, this is, this is the end, beginning of the end, because this is the very first time you saw some VA, you know, VHS sort of video shot by an amateur, you know, in this little club, and, um, you know, I saw of I just never got into it. I never had a good store. It's so, so half assed you wouldn't believe, you know. There was no drive, and, and I'm a naturally lazy person, so to be motivated to do something, it's got to be quite a powerful motivating force.
0: So what, what was that powerful motivating force?
1: The, well, this this relates to when I was at Fright Fest one year, um, few maybe four or five years ago, because as you know, we both go every, every year quite regularly. Yeah. Um, And um, there was a short that was on there, and it was poorly acted. It was a shit story. It was on the big screen. I thought, oh, my God, you know, how did that get on the big screen in front of all these (laughs) horror fans, you know? And I thought to myself, you know, I've got to be able to do something better than that. And I'd had this idea milling around in my head, um, and I thought, because I had an iPhone, just got this iPhone, and then I discovered there's a little app called Filmic Pro, which enabled you to fix the focus and to adjust the exposure. A bit like a a normal camera would be. Now, bearing in mind, I know sweet FA at this stage about anything to do with cameras, framing, everything. You know, I've got no idea whatsoever. I haven't been to film school or anything like that. I've read any books, you know, I'm too lazy. So anyway, I came out and I said, you know what, I'm going to make a short film. Now, before that, a colleague of mine, Tim Richards, who now nowadays is my special effects gore and he said he had an idea for a film and he had some relations some sort of cousin-in-law or something and he i said yeah I'll, and he i said he said do you want to part so i said yeah i'll, I'll be a, i'll act in this thing it's like a game show with a zombie head in a box
0: all right
1: and um and we went down to you know like when you go to these unis they have this stage area. Then we were told, oh, we can't turn the lights on. We can't do that. I mean, me, my approach was, who cares? Do it if no one, and do it until someone tells you that you can't do it. You know, yeah. which actually is my mantra today. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and he did this film, and I, I was in it, and they did some filming, and it was so poorly organised. Not really through Tim's fault, just because people said they could do this and do that. Um, which is resonates with a lot of other, you know, indie filmmakers that I know because where they've had experiences of people who said yes they can do this and do that and it never happened. So after I saw that experience, I had this idea for a short story about a man who comes back home drunk and then he's tortured by an unknown assailant. So, um, and I was drawing upon my influences so i've watched films since i was like you know 12 years old watching the late night horror double bills you know i'm i I'm, I'm deeply rooted in the hammer universal studios sort of uh, horror film genre because that's those those was my first exposure you know and um so also i then migrated onto like Dario argento you know the the giallos where there's a black yeah. glove killer so With my twisted sense of humor, I thought, well, what happens if I get this black, get a black rubber glove killer to torture the hell out of him? You don't know who he is. And then at the end, you think he's going to get killed and he doesn't. And then it ends up being his wife Hmm. paying him back very badly for not doing the dishes. So that was my big joke at the end. And the idea because they were rubber gloves at the end of the film is actually wearing the rubber gloves to do the washing up.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's what turned out to be uh d- domestic, and I I remember see I remember the screening I was at watching that and the people's reaction because it was it was very visceral and uh, people yeah. did react to it like oh my god ah you know yeah uh, I don't think they were quite used to that kind of uh level of gore or torture in a in a short film. Well,
1: I obviously I didn't know this um. And obviously I've been influenced by Saw films and things like that and Chainsaw Massacre and all that sort of stuff. And I think actually Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I would say is the film that I don't watch very often, but I think it's been a massive influence on the way I, I, I I always sort of mentally think of things that were really effective in the Chainsaw Massacre. And, um, so in this, I have lot. I, I do lots of cutaways to outside of the house when something's going on inside, just to you know, because this is me yeah. trying to discover how to make tension and and make you know. I tried to put button presser type torches in it, things that also weird stuff. You know, one is <laughs> flicking an elastic band in his eyeball <laughs> after he's had his eyelids sellotaped up. <laughs> I mean it sounds horrible, but I've never seen that before and I thought well, that sounds really bizarre. Yeah. Um oh, I had ideas of making him bite down on foil, which would makes everyone's teeth go on edge and oh, stupid God, stuff. Yeah. I know. And I nearly did that. You know, I just thought, what things can I think of that make me feel really uncomfortable?
0: Why didn't you do the foil?
1: Um, I think we had enough because we, we got the cotton bud rammed right in his ear. Right. which most people, funnily enough, actually think is one of the worst things in the film. And, oh,
0: okay.
1: and it's so simple. You just yeah. cut away to, you make it look like it's going in, and then you cut away, and I just got a bit of, you know, like an earplug. With yeah. earwax. Yeah. Well, I've just broke a tiny bit of a cotton bud off and stuck it in. So it looked like the whole thing had been rammed in his ear. <laughs> and I remember saying to Kyle, I say More blood now, more blood, more blood. Yeah. I just, I mean, this is my first foray into filmmaking. So I had an iPhone. Now I bought a little gizmo, which was like a steady cam thing that holds the iPhone.
0: Is it like a, a handle?
1: Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's a bit like a gyroscope thing. It's very basic, but uh, a steady cam smoothie, I think it was called. Oh, okay. It's made by Steadicam, the people that make the pro gear, you know. So okay. I thought, well, it must be all right. And um, and I had no, I had one builder's light. I, I had uh, plastic sheets which I put all around, because it's down done in my mate's house when his kids were at school.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And um, I put all these plastic sheets up, and luckily that looked quite cool with yeah. the lighting. I had one builder's light; it looked really hot and intense, like Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and he had some bizarre stuff, and and the hardest thing for me that I've had to do in filmmaking was to is was to shoot that first shot, take that first ever shot of starting to make a film. And that for me was like a massive wall that I had to climb over mentally. It sounds pathetic, really, but it no, was like
0: not at all. Because I mean, it, yeah, for myself, I, I always. I never felt I could do filmmaking because that was Hollywood. Yeah. I'd watched yeah. Hollywood films. So that was, you know, that was over in LA. So mm. the thought of me doing it, you know, it just it, it didn't come to me until, you know, watching short films and realizing I could do that. Yeah. It, same yeah, here. yeah. Yeah. It's it's that kind of that sort of realization that um that you can do it. And mm. yeah, you're right, the first shot is the hardest. Um myself, um, I just, I remember because I'd been working on film the year leading up to it, so when I was there doing it myself, yeah, um, I don't think I had that, um, that wall to climb, yeah, because I'd been doing it in one fashion or another, so just being able to, I was just doing my own, so you know, it yeah, just, well, I, it I
1: literally happen. went into it totally blind, I mean. I sort of worked out a shot list of, I mean, as with most, most of my films, like a lot of directors, a lot of it's all in your head to begin with and then you yeah. script it, but I had no script. And this was the thing, I made my life easy. I said, right, there's going to be only one line of dialogue, which is at the end of the f- film when the <laughs> wife says, now do the bloody dishes like I told you to or something. <laughs> and she slaps him around the face, throws the gloves <laughs> in his face. Um, so all I needed was my mate to, you know, get get tortured. Now I bought a couple of white t-shirts because I thought that would show the blood up and um, got some gaffer tape and some rope and I said to him originally I said look you know Darren it's all right if i tie up just for 20 minutes you know at a time or whatever and he said yeah yeah and he ended up being tied in the chair for five hours um because i said well it's going to spoil the continuity dazzle you'll have to say this so i was holding drinks putting drinks in his mouth and we had the time limit because his, his kids were going to come home from school at oh, four okay. o'clock yeah my stepson kyle who was on a music course doing because he's a drummer and a musician and into recording he said well i can record the mute." Yeah, the sound. So I started. Um, what I really liked, as you probably know, for me is I really like the handheld style of filming because oh, okay. tripod. I had this cheap shit little tripod, and it's so wobbly, and ah, yeah. and just all the faffing around trying to set it up really pissed me off. So. What I did was I I kept using the handheld thing and even just holding it handheld but just as steady as I could Mm. um, enabled me to, because I like crawling on the floor and getting weird perspectives on things. (laughs) Uh, And that's where my foot shot fetish probably comes from as well, which is a theme. All my films feature a a low-down shot of some feet. Um, And it's not because I'm... Deeply in love with feet, but uh, um, it just—it's just like a little one of my little uh, things I like doing.
0: Um, oh, okay, so we don't so- call you Quentin anymore then.
1: No, Quentin Crisp.
0: <laughs> Tarantino. Oh right. His fetish. Oh right, has he? Oh,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, so, Kyle, we had this really bizarre situation where it's a beautiful sunny day, and mm. Kyle had to use an extension lead because he only had a Mac Mini, and he plugged his Mac Mini in. With a microphone, cheap microphone we had. And so every time I kept shifting around the shots, he was in shock with the uh-huh. bloody computer. So he had to reboot yeah. the computer every time he had to replug it in <laughs> and move around. It's so pathetic. <laughs> but we got it done. Yeah. Um, and I had all this footage on my iPhone. And I thought, right, shit, I got to edit it now. So we knew a friend of ours called Matty, and Matthew uh, actually is sort of into web design and stuff. And he knew he knew how he had Final Cut Pro and a, and a Mac, and he knew a little bit of After Effects, which I knew nothing about. Didn't know what it meant, you know, mm. and. Um, he did the apocalyptic conservatory logo with the um he did the animation oh nice yeah so you know, that, that was, i do like that logo i know that is changing though we we're, we're updating it so um <laughs> to something a bit slicker but ah. uh, you know i think it it was great so i had i had he gave me a logo and and i had to sort of basically press gang him cuz uh, getting time people down for their time as you know if they're doing you a favor it can be really Yes. A ball ache, you know. And, and and you do appreciate that they're helping you, at the same time you want to get this thing done.
0: So done I sat with as quickly with him. as possible, yeah. And it's yeah. yeah, it's it is hard and um mm. you know, I've 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 had the experience where I've had people let me down.
1: Oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I've only had that once so far. Oh okay. That was the one of the lead actors. <laughs> In my western that I shot recently, he told me on the day that literally seven o'clock in the morning he couldn't come, and so the so the clapper boy got told he's going to be turned into a mexican and look greasy so we uh, put, we put him in a poncho and a sombrero said that's the screenplay you've just got to mouth the words because we're dubbing the words and the poor bloke who was going to do the clapperboard of the sound for me on a couple of films he he was thrown right in the deep end you Uh-oh. know and i'm sure he didn't want to do it but you know i'm very persuasive or i should say forceful <laughs> um and, well, yeah,
0: because I mean, otherwise you you would have had to cancel the shoot.
1: Yeah, and I wasn't going to do that,
0: especially on the day. That's is, that's is fucking horrible. Well,
1: even more, it was going to be a sunny day, and because yeah. I'm trying to match footage I shot in the states, like the, the bright sunny, because I'm intercutting it. It's like it's got to look the same, and everything. You know, it's like organizing. It. And we'll get yeah. around to that. But so anyway, the domestic got cut together, and Kyle did the soundtrack. Did a great job. It's his first soundtrack he ever did because he'd got Stephen Slate drums, so he's very good with percussion. So yeah. it's something that's often missing from a lot of short film soundtracks. He's like really cool, excellently produced percussion, as well as like anyone can get Garage band and stick a bit of synth on. But yeah. to have proper percussion really brings it up a notch.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, again, it's, it's a whole cost thing, because when you get into the real world instrument area, it costs so much money because you got yeah. to pay for uh, that musician's time, and uh, if you want something bigger sounding like a, a small orchestra, then that yeah. you know times how many people plus a composer plus uh, a conductor. So yeah, you're always sort of looking at a big money. But there's software out there that can you know emulate it, yeah. emulate it, and it's pretty good. I've used it on quite a few of my films.
1: Mm. Well, this I will need to talk to you about that actually, but. Um... What so? What this all what this all conspired to produce was basically I ended up with a short film that was eight minutes long, and then through a mutual friend Stuart Wright, he he talked to Mark Brown who ran this little indie cinema night where they'd screen short films, and he it was Halloween that they they had a spare slot, and he's and so he said, oh yeah, give you I'll give you his details. So I'd literally finished this film it took four weeks or five weeks to get it done, start to finish. And um, that's where you saw it, and yeah. it went well, down I, re- I, really well, didn't it?
0: Yeah, Did I yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Brown, a uh, brainhounds
1: feast on film. It was oh on no, Halloween,
0: that, oh, right? Okay, that's not the Mark Brown one. Oh, that's that's the, the James Ramsey right, one. Sorry, yeah, yeah feast okay. on film used to be yeah um, once a month. Well, Mark uh,
1: Brown was the one was my contact to get the film on, so I sent it to oh, him. okay. Oh, so, okay. so he must have been tied in with that. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat> and then once oh. you get something screened, it's and you get a bit of a reaction, a positive reaction. It's, it's like, oh, I can maybe do. Oh, maybe I should do another one of these. You know, um, and that's when my second film was One Careful Owner again, shot on iPhone, but this time I had proper actors.
0: <laughs> yes, you had uh, Richard.
1: Richard not yeah. Clive, who's a sort of director, part-time actor, he put <laughs> me in touch with Richard. Yeah. Uh, and then I used Kyle as one of the characters. Oh, okay. And my whole sort of apocalyptic conservatory production thing really sprung from realising that I've actually, because I'm a musician as well and I can record stuff, I, and i learned i've got i've got a mac mini shoved it under my TV and I've got my editing suite now because i got pissed off with waiting for someone else to do an edit for me yeah. so i'm a bit bit a bit of a control freak in that respect but also <laughs> it, it puts it in in my in my control in my domain and because i've got Kyle that's doing the soundtracks so i I've, I've pretty much write direct it produce it you know, I don't do the effects like I did in the first film because my mate Tim really wanted to do the effects and he loves doing it. And he's come out with some real um, awesome, nasty, visceral gore effects. Tim Richards.
0: Tim is a real good find. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised he's not doing uh, more effects for other films.
1: Well, he works his nuts off doing decorating most of the time. But he's very artistic. And um, we met at Fright Fest, become good friends. And he, as I said, he was the one that really when he went to do a film and it's a complete and utter a failure really but not not to, due to him mainly due to the, everyone's inexperience and everything yeah. it really made me think about keeping it small don't involve so many people keep it under control do a bit of planning I'm good at admin and stuff because of my office job I'm good at admin and planning and in pre-production that's that's you really need to have good planning um, yes and so my learning curve you know, is a very steep one. I had to learn Adobe Premiere. I've done my some of my own digital effects in After Effects, and as you know, After Effects is not easy. Um, no, it's not. And it's like doing tutorials. I mean, it took me two days to do the in, the the opening credits for one of my films. You know, Too Careful it's a sequel. Um, then I got into ident. I did a few entered a few film competitions. Um, That's
0: right, because you uh, you've done the Fright Fest. Uh, Turn your bloody phone off.
1: Yeah, and we had two entries and they did a pick the Action Man one where we had lots of action men in the cinema, which was Tim's idea, which was yeah. brilliant.
0: I think that was just because of copyright.
1: It was. They were worried that Mattel would sue them when they saw Barbie giving one of the action men a blowjob in the front row. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But it was a shame because I I really liked that eye dent. It was, it was really well done.
1: Yeah, it looked really good. And again, it was on an iPhone again, but this was time 1080p, so you can tell, see I'm really going up the ranks in terms of quality of equipment. Yeah. Um, so then it was like, right, I need a DSLR, you know, uh, I need to just try and because the price you can get a DSLR for really is quite cheap. My mum was only 340 quid or something. Um, and um, if you want to get exponentially a massive jump in quality you've got to spend thousands so the good thing about dslr is it gives you a really good basic starter benchmark decent quality um picture quality but also it gives you ability to use the the depth of field and some of those really nice things and really start experimenting so then i learned how to use the camera stuck magic lantern on it had to learn about white balance I'm still learning. I've asked you loads of questions, which have, have been very helpful with. You have. You have,
0: haven't you? I have. I <laughs> have. You've picked my brains. I have. But, but you know... I, I just want to say, um, from somebody who um, who's owned their own cameras, I had a, a HDV camera. And yeah. when digital SLRs were starting to be used for filming, I was a bit of a snob. I was like, oh, it, that just can't work. It just, yeah, you know, it's too small a camera. It just, It just won't work. Yeah, and then I got my hands on one, and I was instantly converted because, for me, it was like film. It was like shooting on film again. I agree. You had, you had that look. Yeah. Straight away, you were able to get that filmic look with the mm. shallow depth of field. Which trying to do it on a, a Sony HDV camera, you know, you just had to buy a whole lot of gubbins to put on front of the camera just to attach a, a you know, a photo lens just to get a similar effect.
1: They look like TV programs from the 70s, like Armchair Theatre or Doctor Who or something, don't they, those video camera films I find? They're just something... There's something about it. Maybe it's the frame rate or whatever it is, but it just looks a bit pony and amateurish. And and I think... Well, they, it is,
0: they, they were aimed for the TV market. They were aimed for people who yeah. were out making documentaries yeah. or news gathering. I mean, the, the, the Z one the camera i still own it's it's a workhorse i mean i've i've had it now for over 10 years and it's still working and it's still i've still used it in films yeah because um it's it's very good for if you want that kind of documentary feel and it's you know it's mm. got the sound inputs and you know it's still hd
1: yeah i'm not knocking it but i've yeah. never i've skipped that generation i went from iphone which is now, it's now commonplace for people to say, oh, we've made this feature film on iPhone now. But when I did it, it was like, not. Many, I think Takashi Mike might, might have done a film or not. That's when I, I looked, he'd done a feature or something on an iPhone. I thought,
0: yeah, there was a feature film at mm. um, Sundance that was a, a big hit. And it yeah. All sh- they're supposedly all shot on a, an iPhone. I say supposedly because I've shot stuff on iPhone, but I've also shot on digital SRs as well. And sort of put mix, mixed and matched the footage. And you can't really tell.
1: So, no, I agree. I agree, yeah. actually. I so mean, it's
0: quite easy to sort of, from a selling point of view, say, "Oh, look, this was shot on all on an iPhone." And yeah, know, I mean, I, I haven't seen the film, so I, I can't really comment. But when 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 you hear stuff like that, when you hear the the hyper, uh, hyperbole about films like that, there's you, you probably find that there was probably some digital SLR footage in there somewhere. Yeah, they just there's that one shot they couldn't get with an iPhone.
1: Well. The great thing for me was that I, I realized when I thought about this thing. I thought I've got a, I've got a fucking camera in my pocket. I've got a camera that I answer the phone on and do text on, and I can make films with this. And that was that. It, it was the barrier to entry historically for me was more the fact that I didn't have the money, and, and I knew it was a big investment. I mean, how you edit the old VHS tape and all that sort of stuff—that was a ball ache. I remember editing something. <laughs> Some heavy metal band that I was in, and we we edited. Did, I did a basic bit of editing, and it took forever. Took yeah. forever, and, and real I'm to like, real, wasn't it? Well, not really, but it was. Oh, I like, know it was
0: VHS t- machine to VHS. Yeah, machine.
1: like that. Okay, record on this, play this, and then and then do this bit, and then you're like, oh, and that's it's that sort of thing that was a real barrier. But now I've really got the the bit between my teeth, I've had some idents shown at Fright Fest. I got Lawrence Harvey in one from Centipede too, because I chatted with him at Fright Fest one year, and I said, you know what, I've got a really good idea for a turn your phone off. How about you're in the cinema, and then you end up shoving a phone up someone's arse and in someone's mouth, and, yeah. you, and they're a mini Centipede. <laughs> well, and he laughed and said, yeah. And then a year later, I called him, and I paid, you know, paid for his train fare, yeah. And gave him dinner and everything. And he came down like eight hours on a bloody train. He was a right old trooper, I tell you, just for a couple of hours' shoot. Um, and then I got, I have managed to shoot that in a local theatre. Oh, nice. Um, it's only a tiny little one, you know, like one, like a little civic centre, but really tiny.
0: Yeah, but about
1: 120 it, seats. But but it, the thing
0: is, it, it doesn't matter because um it, it just works. I mean, because mm. all those eye dents just seem to be a couple of people in a in a screening room or a theatre or something. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I've not seen one yet apart from Tim's one where it was full of heap of, of um people. People. Yeah, but, no. Um, I was trying to think the um oh the uh, the the dolls he had there.
1: Yeah, oh, he had, Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many action men, but he spent ages yeah. making the little cups, yeah. popcorn and everything, because he had a severed head at the end landing in the action man's popcorn. And none yeah. of that was stop motion or anything. We literally just held on to the arms and moved them in camera. So
0: you uh, did, like, puppeteering?
1: Yeah, we, we just puppeteered yeah. it in camera, uh, you know, when he draws the, the sword out and things like that. We just, you know... You know, yeah. what it's like, and, and that's, oh, I know. it's a creative but, thing of, that's yeah. what really drives me now is I enjoy the creativity because I'm in a job that is unfulfilling and not very creative. Um, accountancy, I mean, how boring, you know? <laughs> and um, so I like, I've got a bit of a twisted brain in terms of, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't really watch that many horror films nowadays. I mean, Fright Fest is like a big splurge, but, I tend to watch other sorts of films, but historically I've watched all the classics when I was growing up. So I've sort of got like a big history behind me of the genres and um, I check out something new. But I'm not the sort of person that would go on to Netflix and watch every horror film on there, whether it's good or bad. You know, you wouldn't
0: want to. There's, there's some really horrible stuff on there. They, mm. I I as much as I like Netflix, it's always bothered me that the uh, the choice on there is not much. And yeah. There seems to be a lot of rubbish on there. And anything, and you always, it's always that one film you've got a hand cream to watch, they don't have. Yeah.
1: And Amazon might have it or something, you know. Yeah. I know. It's a bit of a ball egg, isn't it? But um, so anyway, so my filmmaking has progressed, and I did um, enter the ABC's A Death Two competition. I think I had a really strong entry, really good idea. Did
0: it was uh, makeover, yeah,
1: and it looked the bollocks.
0: I I voted for that one.
1: Yeah, it really looked like like something cross between Aliens and Indiana Jones. It was it was. I was really impressed with how it came out. And again, that was a film that didn't really have any dialogues, um, and I shot it all just basically with no script or anything I mean I had an idea what I wanted to do um but um but now my most recent production went really well I I did find early on that because of the way I was doing it the pressure and everyone looks to you as though you know what you're doing and (laughs) and you're like you've got to give direction and because I'm operating the camera as well I'm I was more focused, so on the camera. So maybe I'd get back and I'd look at what I'd shot and I'd go, "Oh shit," you know, I didn't get enough coverage or, or that line was a bit rubbish and that needs redoing or I need to work a way around in the edit. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm gradually trying to close down, like seal off all the areas where I've cocked up in the past, and that's that's the learning curve. My well, it lar- is,
0: and mm. the, the thing is, you you learn from your mistakes and then you just make more mistakes. Yeah, As, you know, I yeah you know I even even myself i've uh recently looking at stuff i shot uh, i've gone oh fucking hell how did i miss that mistake and yeah you just you just have to um editing is you know it is telling the story putting it together but it's also ironing out the mistakes yeah working around them
1: so on my last production the red wolf pines um I had a really good time and I'd realized up to that point I'd been so stressed out and with and the shoot had overrun into. I mean, one shoot went till four in the morning. The poor bastards, and and unfortunately, I was ruthless, and I just kept going and kept going and kept going.
0: Was that uh, M for making No,
1: the, well, that oh, was, was a late. It? That was a late one, but everyone knew it was going to be a late one.
0: It was oh, two okay. careful.
1: Owners, well, Richard oh, really? was getting right oh, the right hump because we had to do a fight scene. We hadn't choreographed it. They'd oh been,
0: right.
1: That it really got thrown together very quickly, and that went oh, on to okay. like three or four in the morning, and then I had to drop clive and him off where they lived and it's like oh my god you know <laughs> so um this last shoot pretty much didn't go on later than 11 11 o'clock oh, okay um because we were in the middle of a forest in the middle of pitch black with some but i had all the lights i had we got. Um, I mean, Tim was the one that gets stressed out because it's a bit like nothing, nothing, nothing happen, Nothing happens, and bang, it's all needed at the same time.
0: Time, yeah.
1: And um, he gets a bit stressed out.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a term in the industry for that. It's uh, but it's usually the other way around. It's it's rush, rush, wait. <laughs> oh right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but in in, in, in Tim's My was cases, the opposite it's, wait, wait, rush.
1: Yeah, and um, but it, everyone had a really good time. It, we had a good laugh on it, and I had a good laugh, and I was more relaxed. And because I was shooting it with uh, not using the, the camera sound, because mm-hmm. everything was going to be adr and sound effects, we just decided because of road traffic noise, we said, fuck it, the whole thing is going to be ADR'd. Yeah. Shoot it like a silent film. I could hear myself when I was playing back the footage giving direction. Whereas before, once when you're shooting, I couldn't give direction. So that right. sort of helped me realize I need to give that direction before I roll the camera if I'm recording sound obvious yeah, i know I mean, you,
0: but... you can't well no it's not obvious i mean it, it that is a trick that you learn over time and it, it's a case of how much direction as well yeah i've been on the receiving end of too much direction yeah um i did like an interview where i was talking about uh prometheus before yeah. it came out so i was saying it's the greatest thing ever yeah, <laughs> egg on your face. That. He can't use that. No. <laughs> People would just be laughing at me because it's like
1: Simon Aiken, five stars. Prometheus, <laughs> Empire Magazine, one.
0: I mean, my personal opinion on uh, Prometheus was that it it was a good idea. It's just, uh, oh dear, it's just
1: fucking boring, really, wasn't it? Oh, uh, not enough aliens for my liking.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing we were sold on the fact that it was going to be like an alien type film, you know, uh, horror thriller. And it just didn't turn out to be that way. No, nah. but, um, going back to my point. So, um, I had to say s- certain things. So the director would, you know, he'd go, right. What I need to say is this. Yeah. And I got it. And I'm like, fine. And then he just went on and went on and went on and he went on for so long.
1: It boggles your mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So by the time it was, um, the cameras rolled, Whatever I had was gone because I've just been given all this information that I need. But yeah, it's, you know, you you (coughs) learn these things as you go along. Hmm. I mean, some directors like to talk out when during the action, you know, if there is sound being recorded. Hmm.
1: Well, how do they get away with that one then?
0: (laughs) Well, um, I don't think they do it over dialogue.
1: No, no.
0: Unless they. they know, they know that they're going to be yeah. very cutty so they can sort of say stuff in between the lines. Yeah. I've seen that where people just, uh, the director will go, right, now say this line like this, and I'll just say the line. And then, right, try this now.
1: Well, that's good because what I like about that, and something I will be continuing, is that it enables you to steer them. If you see something which you really like, mm. instead of waiting to the end of the take and going, yeah, fantastic, you know, that's brilliant. Um, you 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 can actually almost steer them and mold them and that, and that's quite nice because when I did, when I shot red wolf because I've got we utilize actors that, who aren't normally actors mates and things like that yeah and uh, it's like uh, I could have told them right now climb up that tree jump off it, break your legs they would have done it. The the amount of, you know, small amount of power was was actually quite fascinating to me. The fact that once they're on camera and it's rolling, they would do virtually anything, you know. Um,
0: I don't know how that would work with a professional actor. It wouldn't. wouldn't. (laughs) I don't think they would take too kindly to being steered in the middle of a performance. Yeah, Um, yeah, again, it's all about experience and the best time to sort of try stuff. You know what? You should check out a book. Um, um, Clive sort of recommended it to me it was really good uh, I'll Be In My Trailer by John Badham I've read it you read it
1: yeah got, I bought it because I got recommended to by, like you said by him to read it
0: yeah it's really it's, good it's, it's really good uh, but there's some, some great tips in trying different stuff with yeah. the actors and it was just and he just says well just use uh verbs use actions so say to the actor before I take now I want you to do it as if You've got an, an appointment. Yeah. That you need to get to. Yeah. And you just find they might speed it up, or then go try it now that you've got the rest of the day off.
1: That's that's. I agree. That's a very I, good I've idea. I've done
0: I've done uh, exercises like that where I took um, scenes from some of my films and used different actors and tried all that, and it was amazing. Yeah. The different sort of performances you got from just saying those things.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when I get good actors like Keith Isles um, and Richard, uh, you know, it's like I've not. What I normally do is talk it through with them beforehand, and if they know the character, then that's fine. I did sort of. I mean, Keith uh, work, didn't because he hadn't worked with me much before. He, he he didn't feel that he was well. He he, he didn't really seem didn't know where. He didn't really know whether he'd done good or not, and because I was oh, probably okay. so stressed i was saying yeah that's great and i said to him look mate i said you know if it's shit i'll say it's shit or i don't like it
0: yeah but it's not i have to say i've i've had that complaint from actors before because they they like feedback they do um see the other the other role that the director has is he's the audience yeah for the for the actor they they just want to know if they've done good or bad so as a director you're the audience member and you've got to tell them so i found little things like if you pat them on the shoulder or something or just say that yeah it's good
1: if they're female just pat them on the behind <laughs> uh, yeah
0: no <laughs> nice one see
1: I'll meet you in the trailer later on you <laughs> can dissect how good you your performance really was and how it can be improved <laughs> Yeah. um yeah I, I agree so it's all these things i'm trying to learn and, and I, I fucked up on on two care learners on a little i had like a three-way conversation and i got my lines crossed a little bit i sort mm. of got away with it but yeah it, I, i've learned from that so you at know, the
0: end of the day nobody notices
1: generally most people don't notice unless it's really jarring in which case i, I would have edited it differently anyway i think that um i do enjoy the edit. I've said before, I don't really enjoy mm. the shoot. I enjoy the edit, but I really enjoyed the shoot recently. So, uh, I think it's it quite relaxed. We had a good bunch of people and we had a good time, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the best way to do it. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked on these shoots where they're a pressure cooker, where they literally like, right, we got to get this done mm. in this amount of time. So let's do, you know, and yeah. I, I've, I always tend to have my shoots to be a bit more relaxed, mm. and I still get the the work done.
1: Yeah, I thought your you shoot know. was very relaxed. You were very calm when I had my starring role in one of your <laughs> shorts. Yes, that's going to be in your feature film. So that's right. Yes. hopefully I'll get a, a, a best actor award nomination for my amazing performance as an office worker. <laughs> Actually, a boss
0: as a boss have i got any
1: lines in that film i've not even seen it yet have I? um hopefully not
0: well you did you well we improved a lot of stuff yeah um yeah. but i this is the thing i'm still um sort of in the editing process and i think a lot of that probably won't be you so what
1: you're telling me is i'm going to be a loki in the latest uh superhero film you're going to film me and then just cut me out of it totally
0: no, no, no. You're in it. I'm just saying dialogue-wise, because it's. I think there'll be more sort of music playing over it. It's more about mood than it is about sort oh, of dialogue. So you're
1: gonna have the psycho music playing whenever I'm on screen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was actually gonna use the Jaws music, but yeah, dun, dun,
1: dun, dun, would be dun. good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's it. it. Sounds like a squeaky toy. It That's does even worse. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I've I, now, you know, unlike you, I haven't done a feature yet, but I, there are plans in in the mix, me and Keith are going to hook up because he likes, he's good at writing long screenplays. I mean, I can write 14, 15 page screenplays for short films, but yeah. So what we're going to do, in my mercenary way, as, as the director, I'm going to say, this is the story, we'll develop it together, and uh, hopefully I'll get him to do all the typing so I won't get our, our, what is it, RSI on my wrists or anything, and we can come up with a 90-page script. And then the idea, again, bit, I'm going back to like my first film, I'm thinking... If I'm going to do a feature, I need to do it over a number of weekends, not make it too expensive. How can I do that? Well, firstly, I'm going to shoot it all at night. It's going to be set, a bit like a nighttime film. It's So the weather doesn't matter. If it's cloudy or whatever, it'll be dark. Who cares? Even if it's rainy, it probably won't matter. it be quite good. under yeah. It's going to be neon-lit, nighttime, London-ish, scummy-place-looking sort of environments. And also that means I can... I've got access to a number of work environments that I could easily, you know, just say, oh, I think I'll have this for an office scene or I'll have this for the interior of some bizarre industrial site or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then we're going to just chip away at it. A bit like your sort of ethos where you're going to take lots of short films and put them all into one encompassing feature. It's a great idea because you've not got to get everyone off for two weeks. You've done the real deal Proper film shoot.
0: I have. I've done the three week um, filming. If if anything, I um, any advice for you and other filmmakers out there, especially uh, first time mm. first films. Um, the the best thing to do when you're writing a script is uh, think of think of locations that you know you can get. Yeah. So if you know you can get them, you'll more than likely be able to film there. Correct. Because you know if you're writing uh, a script that takes place in a school. You might not be able to get access to a school, especially for that amount of time. Yeah. So it's you know it's a, that whole ethos about write what you know. Yeah. Write what you can get.
1: Absolutely agree. Yeah.
0: If you know of locations you can get, then just write with those in mind.
1: Mm. Well, that's it. And indie filmmaking is is optimized. I think I'm very good at getting bang for my buck out of my films. I mean, um, I mean my latest ones are. A period Western set in mm. the 1800s that's been shot in the UK and the States when I was on holiday. So, um, and I, that'll all be for about 500 quid. So, I know, which I'm,
0: I'm looking forward to that,
1: one. yeah. But, uh, you know, when I went to the States and you talked to some filmmakers out there, how much is your film cast to me? And I said, Oh, about six hundred dollars. And they're like, What, six thousand dollars? I said, No, six hundred. They can't believe it because out there, it's, it, a short film is ten to twenty thousand dollars.
0: Yeah.
1: Because obviously, if you paid everyone a decent wage for all the time they spent on everything, editing and music and that, you'd probably yeah, it probably would cost that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. That's not what I'm about, you know. And sometimes I think you get a different style. That's what I think my movies have and your movies have. You have your own. Footprint because of the way you do things, the way you have to adapt to things, and the way that you personally cope with those. And I like that because it's like music. I play guitar. I don't try and copy anyone. I play my own style. Now, if that's good, shit, bad, or indifferent, I don't. I'm not really fussed. Actually, Mm you like the fact that it's individual and coming from me. Yeah. My creativity. So that's what I get from filmmaking. Is that even though we're on a budget i mean if i had 10 grand to spend i'd probably just spunk it away on really expensive cameras and end up with a pretty similar looking film you know
0: yeah but i mean it's i mean it, again it's kind of like what um what you depends on what you're sort of want to put your budget towards yeah because i'm i cuz i own my own gear and everything that's yeah. one cost that i don't have to uh, shell out for anymore
1: me too yeah
0: but, yeah when i first started we you know, the, the budgets were always sort of a grand and over because you had to, about £250 of that usually would go on renting the camera.
1: Mm. See, uh, luckily, I, I've been, I actually consider myself very fortunate in that I've actually bypassed a lot of all that shit um, and I've sort of come in when it's actually really accessible. Um, but even saying that, I think I've I've managed to with all the family assistance and the creative people that I know as mates and stuff and the fact that I do a shitload of it myself and I like doing it myself. I think I've got a little production company that you know we 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 you get it all up on the screen and um hopefully they're fun movies, you know. Uh, for very no you know no no money and I get it to go and go away if I get film screened at film festivals because this is the other this is the dark side of the the amateur short filmmaking <laughs> process is that there's a hundreds and thousands of festivals now and it's a lot easier to submit with film freeway because without a box to be honest was a pain in the bo- bollocks basically. Mm-hmm. The way you had to upload a screen it take 48 hours for this Amazon or IMDB, um, you know a uh, coded site to accept it in low res quality you had to f- constantly frig around with the file size of your movie it wouldn't be HD so when it being screened by festivals this was their access to a screener it would look pony and yeah. and you'd like oh what well, it's rubbish but now with without a uh, film freeway you can just upload it to YouTube with a private link link it on this nice little page and it's and the submission process is, is a breeze
0: Oh, brilliant! It's, well, I'll have to check that out because uh, Film Freeway I've, I've is had, fantastic. I've had the experience of using without the box, but I've not used the uh, digital screener. I've always, I've always sent like DVDs out. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, check out Film Freeway because film it is Freeway. superb because they uh, they've got it all catalogued. You can search for films where there's no fee. and this is leading me on to my next thing: is that film festivals cost money to put on? And, and what I didn't realise, you thought to yourself, oh, they must have paid for all these films to be shown at their film festival. Oh, it must be expensive. That's why they justify that ticket price. And no, they don't pay a goddamn penny for any of the films. They're given for free by all the filmmakers and they don't make yeah. any money.
0: No, they don't make any money at all. I I have to say, we, if you want to make money out films, then the best thing to do is start a film festival. Because... Yeah. Um, with my feature film, Blood and Roses, I mean, I paid up to £75 to enter the film into a festival and that did not guarantee me a screening. That just no. guaranteed that they would look at it.
1: Well, features, and that's the other thing I'm thinking about if I do a feature, is the submission fees are going to like triple. Yeah. So you've got to be very clued up on what is a, f- a festival. You really need to understand what audience you're trying to reach. And also, there's a lot of festivals out there that I get the impression there's not a lot of activity on them during the year and they pop up. And you think, hmm, are they doing this just to make a load of money? Not all, most of them are bona fide, pucker, you know,
0: yeah. excellently um, I well-run have to say, festivals. I would say most of them are bona fide. It's yeah, just what I, kind of reach they have. Because mm, um, some of them, you have a big audience, and others, it's Minuscule. Yeah. Yeah, so... It is like uh, that side of things, you're, you're not sure mm. because when you go to without a box and you look at their, their page, they're all exactly the same. Mm. They have like a logo, they have their details, mm. and how much it costs to enter. I mean, I always think I wish they would actually change this. What I would rather see is that you submit for free, and if they accept it, you pay then a
1: fee. Pay. I, yeah. yeah, well, then they would lose out on a ton oh, of. course. Ton- thousands of pounds. Well, the St Albans Film Festival reckon they had 850 short film submissions and they only screened about, what, 50 maybe?
0: Yeah.
1: At £20 a pop. £20 a pop,
0: there you go. It's go going on. to
1: be a couple of grand up, but they are a good festival and they put all their money into organising the festival and unfortunately that is what they need to do. They've got to pay advertising, print off the brochures, you know, the ticket prices are very reasonable. So, I wasn't picking on them particularly, I'm just saying that these yeah. film festivals I know get inundated, especially nowadays where any man like me can just attempt at making a film. But but I think a lot of people when they start doing it, they then suddenly find out, well actually this is a lot this is the thing I'm trying to tell people is that you say I'm miserable or I'm I'm stressed or whatever, but there's a lot going on when you when you're putting a film together, especially if you're doing so much of it yourself. Yeah. You know. You, you you've got to make sure it's in focus. But yeah, you know, we've all had soft focus issues and and when you get back, it's you know, you've got one shot that you really need and it's slightly out of focus and you go, fuck, you know.
0: Yeah, it this is why it's good to have a, a good crew on your side because yeah. then you can delegate that to somebody else. You can delegate like the camera and focusing to the DOP, yeah, and his camera crew and lighting crew. And then you can sort of just concentrate on the directing side of things.
1: But that would take a lot of the fun out of it away for me though, because I do like visual. I mean, you
0: can be like a hands-on director.
1: Yeah. Because I think that your they talk about the director's vision and all this stuff. Well, without any pretentiousness, I've, I've got the film in my head. I'm playing it through like a TV episode or whatever. And that's why I draw upon my camera shots. So if I'm interacting with a camera, you're getting the purest vision of that film I can possibly give you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, oh,
0: I know what you mean. I I shoot a lot of my own films. Mm. I, mean, I have worked with the OPs, but um, I I actually prefer shooting them myself. I prefer to be behind the camera.
1: I'd rather take the rap for having it shot badly myself to be honest with you, because if I left it to someone and then everything they shot was rubbish, I'd be like, you know, you you need to have a lot of faith and confidence in whoever's doing that work for you, haven't you? To let go of that responsibility. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, I mean, you don't let go of it. You just sort of, you're, it's more of a delegation. Yeah. I mean, you still have to keep on top of
1: it. Yeah, you have to review it and all that sort yeah. of stuff, and yeah.
0: Also, you know, just be open to what the, the DOP or camera operator brings to it because they may come up with something that you didn't think of and that would work really well. Yeah, It's just a case of knowing that stuff. Knowing what you want, because you, you'll get ideas where uh, you agree to do them and then, in hindsight, realise it was the wrong thing to do yeah. for film. And I've had that. Mm. I've, I've actually had that in one of my short films where the DOP recommended something and I agreed to go with it. And then when I finally was in the editing room watching it going, oh, shit, why did I do that? Yeah, because it doesn't
1: fit what was in your head to begin yeah, with. Yeah.
0: Mm. Oh, it didn't fit the, the style of storytelling anyway.
1: Well, the thing I had one of my mates who actually is a one of an early victim because there's always a lot of victims in my films.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> uh, he um, he, I said to him, "Look, could you want to be the sort of assistant to the director?" Because, and then I just talked to him, "Can you get this done?" And when I found, once I found I had a consistent person to go to, so where are I, what's the line? What's the you know? And he was on it. It was really good. Paul Cross, a friend of mine, he he did really well and he was really up for it and that really is probably one of the reasons why it went so smoothly part of the fact i organized it like a bloody military operation yeah. and, I sh- and i and i and i've got a more realistic expectation of how long i can shoot for to get what i need you know that's experience yeah. and
0: exactly that so really you, helps you learn how long it uh, takes to set things up i mean i always love um cuz i still work on other people's films as well mm. and i do love the uh, optimistic call sheet where it's like oh, arrive at 9, we'll start filming at 10, and we'll be finished by 5. And you're going, Mm. yeah, Uh, I think more realistically, we'll start filming 11 or 12 and probably finish at 8.
1: Well, I was very lucky to have you uh, recently, wasn't I, on the video shoot where we recorded the thing podcast. And uh, that was nice because I knew I had coverage. So if I fuck something up, I knew that I had someone who knew what they're doing. And you caught some beautiful slow mo stuff on that camera of yours, yeah. Um, so that was really good fun. And also, you drove the forklift truck, which had me pretending I was doing a crane shot while sitting yeah. on a, lum- a very wobbly pallet. <laughs> um, so it's good to have someone else that can drive a forklift truck.
0: Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, that was invaluable. It was... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, was, I really enjoyed working on the on the music video, and you know, and it was a great pleasure to sort of finish. A lot earlier than what the wrap time was because yeah. you told me originally it was going to be like a 4 a.m. wrap time.
1: Yeah, I know. I just did that to cover myself. Yeah.
0: But we finished at midnight. I mean, if you had been shooting by yourself, then yeah, you would have been there to 4 in the morning.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what I found was really enjoyable was we were like talking about stuff, saying, talking about exposure and this and mm. the, trying to get the look we want. And, and we were collaborating And that was, I really enjoyed that. So, um, because obviously you've got more experience than me. So I'm going to try and plagiarize and nick whatever I can off of you at every opportunity, (laughs) Simon. (laughs) Because I've, it's like catch up. It's like when I got a motorbike, I didn't get one until I was 30. And then I had to ride like a complete fucking idiot to try and learn all the mistakes without killing myself along the way. Oh, filmmaking's yeah. a bit like that really I think because I nearly
0: is, killed yeah.
1: myself going up on that forklift into that roof to put rubber gloves over the heat sensors because we had flame cannons no That's one else right, bloody yeah. volunteered did they and I'm the main cameraman and directing it
0: Oh, <laughs> will be alright
1: lads I'll go and do it you know.
0: well you wouldn't want one of the uh musicians doing it because you know they fall off well and they're all short asses
1: anyway they wouldn't have been out of reach <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: i was the only tall one there so oh,
0: did you did you actually take those rubber gloves off no the i got the
1: tur- my mate turgot to take them all down
0: apparently oh, the alarm nice.
1: actually went off um, oh, did but it? the fire brigade ignored it oh okay so we're lucky we didn't get the fire brigade turned up and covering us all in foam <laughs> 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 which would look quite good for a video uh,
0: well, they, I, that would have been fun, but I think more realistically, what they were done was shut us down.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. I've only been told to move on once by someone, and that's because I was trying to set Richard Knock on fire in the middle of oh, a really? field, in the middle of nowhere. This bastard just turns up and goes, Whoa, I'm in charge I said, have You got permission? I said, No. He said, What are you doing? And I, I looked at the camera, looked up at it, and I was a bit stroppy. I said, I'm filming. What does it look like?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know I mean it's
1: like what's it to you <laughs> and he said well we had all these ashes we tipped on the floor and then that to get put in the bag and I said I said look mate this is just a grassy field in the middle of nowhere what difference does it make it's oh. always a bloody killjoy
0: yeah it must have been his grassy field in the middle of nowhere
1: i got a question for you actually because I was at this film okay. fest you know makeover I shot in London I actually shot it in front of the houses of parliament for Christ's sakes half past 11 at night. I didn't have any permits or nothing. I'm just wondering, if you make a feature film and you film it in London and you don't have the permits from the council, could they put the kibosh on your film? No. They can't. So if you get away with it, you get away with it.
0: Yeah. Good. Yeah, just it's... (laughs) Because I'm not going to get a permit
1: for anything.
0: (laughs) I know. Um, I just would say um, be careful of copyright material. I'm not quite sure what the the rules are because, um, I mean, I always believed that uh, on TV they blurred things out because they hadn't permission to show it. But I also then heard that they blur it out because they weren't given money to promote it. So
1: well, there's public domain. Public domain is a very interesting subject, isn't it? Well, if this public, well, the house of parliament is in the public domain, but you may not be allowed to go inside and film it. But the exterior, yeah you
0: know the exterior you're fine tourists
1: film the bloody thing every day of the week what's the difference exactly. you
0: know and also the end of the day it's also how you uh, portray whatever you're filming yeah so you know you were just filming outside the houses of parliament well i was That's i fine. was
1: inferring that all politicians are actually demons from hell but yeah um... but you
0: weren't inferring <laughs> that the houses of parliament was a piece of crap no, or anything no, like that no it's fantastic just, yeah. yeah so it's, it's it's so it's like if you have you use like a an iphone yeah i mean how many times do we see iphones that's true all the time yeah so you've got somebody using an iphone and they're just speaking into it that's fine you make a a critique about uh iphones being like the worst piece of shit ever then i think you may have a problem
1: yeah i mean i I was i'm always worried about ringtones and stuff and i I think i'll just invent my own ringtone because you think yeah
0: now because ringtones is music Mm. it's considered music and somebody's written that piece of music or that ringtone yeah and so yeah that's that's when you you're getting into the proper copyright uh infringement
1: well i did buy off some royalty free music to use in the western just at the beginning and the end because a because i couldn't be asked uh, yeah. and b because they sounded really cool and for me to do that would take a lot of time so i'm very much taking the view nowadays that Mm, if there's a note like there's an Adobe uh, After Effects project for the end credits where I've got like a wolf ripping through the screen, sort of with a claw effect and stuff, I thought that's going to take me, even if I try and make it look good, it's going to take me weeks to do that in After Effects. So I, I went on Fiverr.com, which I have told you about recently. And have, uh, yeah. there's lots of professionals who work in countries where the wages are low and they'll put hours and hours of creativity into something for you for not a lot of money. And I know it sounds like slavery, but um, they they make they could make the equivalent of a month's salary in a week, so they're not losing out, and you're no. getting what you want, and it it keeps it in budget, and
0: exactly. you can improve the looks of your
1: films, you know.
0: And it's something that's you know it, it's been done by other filmmakers. I mean, yeah. one reason why uh, George Lucas filmed in Tunisia mm. was because it was cheap to film there. Yeah, it was the same with Francis Ford Coppola filming in Thailand. Yeah. It was so cheap to get uh, labour. Yeah, lady you know, boys
1: as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he could indulge himself quite, quite. Um,
0: yeah, they left that part. Get out, his
1: money's money's worth. Yeah, apocalypse now ten dollar. Yeah. <laughs> so um, long time. Yeah, so I'm yeah. looking forward. I've got another short, which actually, because I sort of like the horror genre immensely um because you can come up with some really twisted fun stuff but my next film will be horrific but not necessarily a horror film but you know what it is but i'm not going to talk about it it's going to be pretty okay. goddamn horrible
0: i have, must admit i've reading the script i thought it was a real um it's a really good script yeah and the the subject matter is uh, i think you deal with it quite well yeah i mean it's hard hitting yeah but i think you deal with it uh, rather well well, that, so I'm 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 looking forward to seeing that one. When you, yeah, when you're done. absolutely,
1: and it's more of a it's more like less jokey mic Tack, nudge nudge, wink wink, you know, sort of things where, um, you know, I'm having fun and and with the audience, um, you know, because 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 mo- most recent films because I do like monster films and I've got the the allotment which is about a scarecrow that comes to life, on a revenging rampage. Um, uh, and I do love monster movies, but this one is yeah. more set sat in, settled in real life. But it will mean, unfortunately, Tim won't have much on the makeup effects to do. But I, I will be moving into an area where I'm going to have rehearsals because of the nature yeah. sensitive nature of what's being filmed. I'm going to have to have rehearsals and actors that can really do have act, good acting chops so they can support each other. And uh, Richard Knox is very good at um, assisting with. Things like you know, like that. He was a dialogue coach for Keith on Red Wolf Pines because he's the only actor, okay. English actor, who actually speaks with an American accent.
0: Oh, okay. and Richard
1: loves. Di- he loves. Um, he he loves directing actors. He's not really a techie like me. Um, yeah, that's
0: right. But
1: in the same thing, I need to make sure that I I still direct and evolve and develop myself. So it's a fine balance between having. Some really good assistance, and then getting to the point where you're stepping down from, which is the prime role of being the director. So that's something that I just want to make sure that I develop myself. But you know, it's good to it's good to learn. I'm learning all the time. You, you we all we never stop learning, do we? We
0: never, no, mm. because there's always something new. There's some new technique. There's mm. um, some new way of acting. You know, there's always things are just evolving all the time. Mm. Uh, you know, as well as the equipment so yeah we you know it's you that's that's one of the things i like about filmmaking is it's that it's always constantly changing and you know you're, you're le- learning new stuff and you can use new techniques and and every sort of move forward there's you know new toys that come into play and then sometimes old toys come back yeah. into play because they're very useful for these new technologies
1: that's one thing i would say to any budding filmmakers or people are thinking of doing this is that um don't get too wrapped up in the tech don't don't think i've got to have this camera or have this lens or whatever i think the hardest thing is just getting out there and making something and then going through the process once you've been through that process you start learn you learn and and get better and hopefully my films each film shows some sort of progress um you know that's what my aim is every film it is getting slicker and, and like script writing, writing a script. I've never written a script before in my life. You know, I had to get cell text and work out the, how the structure that everyone's used to seeing it in and all that sort of thing. So, you know, but it's been delightful. It's been a great learning curve. I've been doing it since September. I started September 2012. Wow. So wow. it'd be three years. Fairly soon. Soon, yeah. But well,
0: I yeah. mean it's you you I have to say, from seeing that first film to um your last film, you can you can see a progression. It's really you you really come along. So mm. you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what else you come up with, Mike.
1: Yeah, especially in the next short. <laughs> 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 yeah, but yeah, you know, the feature idea I've got I think is really good as well. Um so uh me and Keith are going to develop that. I've, I've got the beginning, the end. It's just the middle that we've got to work out what we're doing. But it's going to be like a one night in the life of a person. But right. um, there's going to be lots of interesting things happening. Yep, yep. Uh, okay. I, and what I'm going to try and do, I might get asked Lawrence Harvey. I haven't asked him yet. But if he knows some actors, get some faces so that if I make this feature film, on a, on a shoestring and I've got some named actors that, I mean, let's face it, most of the named actors, as long as they're not like Hollywood stars, they probably would do it for a couple of hundred quid a day. And on a feature, if you only need them to sort of pop their head around the corner for like a few hours just to get a few scenes in, it's actually probably commercially a good idea to get um, a couple yeah. of decent names attached to your feature.
0: It, it is, it, it certainly is. And you're, you'll find if you're lucky enough to catch them at a point when they're not doing anything, they'll be quite willing to do it. Yeah. 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 um, We'll act for beer and curry. (laughs)
1: There you go.
0: I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. um, Nice. So um, how can people find your work?
1: Uh, Website is www.apocalypticconservatory.com. And that's got links to everything, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff. Um, so come say hello join up follow what we're doing and um and you've got a ton of things to content on there um there, there are some links to some very shady looking characters one <laughs> called independent runnings um
0: yes which you can find at uh, www.independentrunnings.com and uh, also check out our youtube page just to search independent runnings and of course you can um Follow this uh, podcast on Facebook at uh, just search Movie Heaven Movie Hell, and we're on Twitter with the handle at Movie Heaven Hell.
1: Yes, listen so. listen to the podcast; they're great. <laughs> All the ones without me are great. They're really good. So listen to them. Been a pleasure, <laughs> Simon. Right. Been really good fun, and yeah, you um, know,
0: it's, it's it's been great to, to speak to talk you. Shop, and indeed, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, Thank you for stepping in for Keith as well.
1: Yeah, step into those size five shoes.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was quite interesting, uh, you know, looking over uh, Stuart Gordon's uh, back catalog. Absolutely. It was not a director I sort of really knew about.
1: No, no. Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, I, I, I will try and catch up some of his films. But as I say, I don't really watch a lot of uh, horror films per se, mainly because my wife is, she likes costume dramas. I can get away. If I get gothic horror, then that's good. It's sort of like horror combined with costume drama. Sort of, mm, that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a nice little medium, happy medium for both of us. But um, anything visceral, nasty, like Serbian film or something like that. No. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, what did I see last night? Primal Fear with Richard Gere. I saw that, and I forgot about oh. the twist ending. With that's Richard, N- is it N- Norton's? Not Richard yeah. Norton's. Norton's first, um, Edward Norton's yeah, first Edward's role, one, yeah. and he was brilliant in that.
0: Yeah, um, Keith sort of recommended that one to me. So yeah, yeah,
1: it's good. Yeah. Maybe I should make a, my next short. Could we call it Total Fear? Do you think <laughs> that's a good title?
0: It's a good title.
1: Yeah. Maximum Fear. <laughs>
0: i don't know about maximum fear. lots and electric. lots of
1: really bad fear
0: <laughs> we had like maximum overdrive where uh, you remember yeah. the trailer for that with steven's um i was gonna say steven spielberg but uh, yeah stephen king Steve. going you know what i've had many people make my um you know films on my books yeah. and you know the one thing i've learned it's best to do it yourself and you go was it stephen was
1: it Stephen? <laughs> Stephen, get back to the typewriter <laughs> and leave it to the people that know what they're doing.
0: I enjoy Maximum Overdrive, but only as a guilty pleasure. It's it's not a film that I uh, <laughs> go back. I and must say, and I, think,
1: I don't know why Stephen King. I mean, Stephen King could write for. He, he just writes and writes and writes. He writes like the the Koran. You know, each novel is mm. huge.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, a lot of his stories are really bad. His endings are so rubbish ending his films uh, for the most part is not very really good i find he's very good character development I, and characters he's superb at that
0: I, um i'm trying to think because i mean um, it, a, lot of it, the, a lot of books i've read well i haven't read it but the thing is a lot of the books i've read i've i've always been quite happy with the way they end it, uh, so. ends with a
1: giant spider in it i mean fuck me Oh, but are we
0: took? are we talking the book or are we book. talking the miniseries? The book. Uh, the book. Okay. Because the, the mini series had the the giant spider as well. It was just that was a the miniseries, the first part was really good. It was really tense. Mm. And then the second part was pants.
1: Well that's that's what I'm saying. Salem's Lot was a good TV adaptation. I enjoyed that.
0: Mm. With the
1: Nosferatu oh, but, yeah. looking vampire. That's right. But, uh, I suppose when you get to the letter K, you could have Stephen King, maybe.
0: Well, he's only had, uh, as a director, it's only one film. Only so.
1: one, so each yeah. one would be movie, heaven and hell. <laughs> oh,
0: <yeah. laughs> so, what's your movie, heaven? Uh, maximum Overdrive. What's your movie, hell? Maximum Overdrive. Keith, what's your movie, heaven? Maximum Overdrive. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do... Um, I mean, we're thinking of doing, like, special one-offs where... You could like, do one-offs Stephen about... King film. The yeah, you could Stephen do, Stephen like, King, adaptation. King adaptations. But then... Uh, Which can, I can tell about... you now what
1: that is. Oh
0: yeah, what's your favorite? The Dead
1: Zone, done by Cronenberg. Oh,
0: wow. Berg, yeah. That is no, an
1: awesome one. film and one of the best um... Steam King adaptations by none, I reckon.
0: Ah, uh, for me, it's Green Mile. Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Green Mile's good. Bit too Shawshank yeah. for me though. Oh, Shawshank! What a yeah. great book. I mean, it's...
0: Yeah. And how about Shawshank the Running well? Man
1: with Arnold Schwarzenegger?
0: Oh, that, that is good. Uh, it's completely... Don't lose different. your head. <laughs> it was Sub-Zero. Yeah. Now just plain zero. <laughs> yeah. Where's Buzzsaw? Yeah, to split. We, that's right, yeah. <laughs> we always get
1: the people to what we want, what they want. <laughs> I'm not very really good at short snake. I'm not as good as Ross Bryan doing that. So...
0: <laughs> but we all do. Uh did... The, the the best experience ever is being on a set and uh the, and the whole cast and crew start doing Arnie impressions. Mm. Mm. You just got to work on the uh wow, a bit of total <laughs> recall. That was a bit of a cartoon. Yeah, I know. You also. had a bit of Christopher Walken in there at the wow. end. Ow.
1: Wow! <laughs> 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 we better leave this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> okay oh
0: don't worry this part's not going i think we because... should do
1: just do it as an extra 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 <laughs>
0: extra extra we just kept on talking yeah
1: all right thanks oh sh- i've got to go now I've got to take the dog out for a walk thanks simon that's awesome
0: yeah take right, care you mate care, you too
1: Ta-ra. all yeah.
0: right bye